gonna talk about highway driving etiquette and communication or the lack Are you in the truck? I'm in the truck. Let's go. <laughs> I'm just over here driving. All right. So this probably isn't the best way to record an episode when you're driving, when you got to focus on stuff, but I'm doing it. And actually, <laughs> it's really fun. We're on episode 11, you guys. 11? 11. Oh, it's going by fast. So what have we been up to? What have we been up to? So we grabbed a tractor out of Iowa, took it to California. You know, after you go across... Iowa and Nebraska, Wyoming, and the flats of Utah. That's kind of boring. But we ventured over the mountains. You get over there in Nevada on the other side of Reno going into California. And man, I love those mountains. <laughs> yeah, it's really pretty. Donner Pass, is that what it is? Yeah, which during the wintertime, that place is insanity because, of course, the Sierra Nevada mountains there will get some of the biggest storm, winter storms you'll ever see. You know, it'll dump a hundred inches of snow in a couple days. So that stretch of highway, I-80 for truckers, and I mean, just anybody traveling in general gets extremely treacherous. But during the middle of summer, it's really fun because you can just kind of go up and go down and... Um, Big, long stretch of road going up. Big, long stretch of road coming down. So, with a big, giant John Deere combine, it, it's a little bit interesting. So, you know what was actually surprising to me, Matt, was that, you know, when you think of California, you don't think of farming. And we're from the Midwest. We're from Iowa. There's a Mecca farming in the Midwest. And then you go to Northern California and, wow, they farm everything, like everything. There was fields that were so different. Everywhere yeah. you turned, they were growing something different in each field. Well, the interior of California, like people just don't think about it because the bulk of the population is along the coasts, right? San Diego, L.A., San Francisco, you know, you go right up along the coast and that's where the density of population is. But when you come over the mountains into the valley, it, it's that's where most of the agriculture in our country is done. But, you know, so you start thinking about the stuff that's in your produce shelves at your grocery stores. That's where it's coming from, it's California, a lot of it. We saw tomatoes. We saw almonds. We saw so many plants that I don't even know what the heck they were. But um, Yeah, I love the tomatoes. To see those tomato haulers full of tomatoes, I was like, can I follow you? Right. But I would fully expect everyone to uh, see an increase in the price of produce because as we were talking to people out there, the drought is so bad in that area that the farmland that's out there, only about 10% of it's being utilized because the government in California decided, oh, we're not going to let you use any water for farming because we have to send it through the pipes to people's showers and and sinks and stuff. So the farming is a real issue out there right now because of drought. Yeah, we were told by um, one of the employees where we were um, dropping off our combine at the Pape. He said, 
they work with a farmer that actually owns 15,000 acres, but he's only farming 1,000 of those acres this year. I mean, that's, and he had hundreds of employees and they're cut back to like, I don't know what he said, like a hundred employees or something. Maybe, I don't even think it was that much. It was, it was in, it was just crazy when he was talking about it. I had no idea this was going on. Major income cutback. Right. Major income. And then after this conversation, I started paying attention to billboards and stuff. And I guess the thinking is that, you know, a lot of these rivers and stuff that run through California or when it rains, the water just kind of runs out and goes into the ocean. So California loses about 97% of their water, I guess it is, to the ocean. So everybody's going, we need to build dams. We need to be build dams. And then that way they would have places to capture the water. And then the farmers and everybody would be able to use it. But, um, of course, you know, the politicians want to tell you, oh, it's climate change. And this is why we're having fires and all these things. Well, you know, you go back uh, 10,000 years, we were covered in ice. So, of course, the climate is going to change. We need to adapt to that and find solutions to problems that are real, like real solutions. But yeah, I would fully expect that uh, some of these things that you see in your produce department, will you will see an increase in it. I don't think you're seeing it yet because, of course, a lot of harvesting for a lot of this hasn't happened yet. But anyway. Yes. So, but I couldn't wait to get out of California, not to lie. It was just too many days in that state, and the traffic is not fun. Well, no, I just never understood the intrigue of California, but the roads are really bad. Like, you get in the interior, the roads are really bad, and, man, you're in a semi, like, it's just banging, bang, 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 the whole time you're driving. It's not real fun, and people aren't very courteous, are they? No, not at all. And I find it interesting when you go from one part of the country where you're buying, um, you're paying per plastic sack at a Target, and then you go to another part of the country where no questions asked. They're just giving you your plastic sack. Yeah. So when you, bu- when you buy groceries. Just another tax, right? Yeah. It's just interesting to see the differences in all these different states. But yeah, I mean, California is not one of the states that I adore. No offense to you people in California. Yeah, I mean, there's there's uh, certain areas that I love, and there's obviously people in California that we really love. Um, but overall speaking, yeah, it's not it's not fun to drive through as a truck driver. Yeah, I'm not really sure what to think of it, because, of course, you see things on the news, and people talk about how people are fleeing California and everything, and, and I understand all that. all the political issues that are being brought to the forefront. But then you go there and you see, see things and it's like, what the world is going on here? You know, but the driving, like you've been in a truck for a little bit now with me. Has it changed your perspective of driving? For me, watching the selfishness of the drivers, especially in California, they literally, we would be in the right lane and because they wanted to get off an exit, they would literally cut right in front of this big Peterbilt that doesn't stop on a dime. And then they would break it right in front of the truck. And we have this heavy piece of equipment on the back of this truck. 
And it's like, what are you doing, people? Well, we had an instance with a car that he comes flying down the left, wants to shove into the exit lane last second in front of me. And, like, if I don't hit the brakes, I'm hitting him. Like, I could see right through his through the passenger window because he was so close to me. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you're that important that you feel the need to just get one truck ahead or whatever it is. I mean, it's just selfishness. Yeah, so let's talk about that, Matt. Like, people that are out on the highways and the roads driving in cars and just regular trucks daily. Like, what's that look like to you as a truck driver? Well, I mean, I tell you, like, when you're driving every single day, you get patient real fast. Otherwise, you end up just angry all the time because, and I said this before, I'm like, I, I literally avoid at least one accident every single day, usually multiple ones because of people's selfish driving. You know, we had a big John Deere combine on here. You know, not only is weight an issue, but then the thing's 14 feet something high and I'm 10 foot, you know, or 11 foot 11, almost 12 foot wide. Like it just, you you have to watch everything and people are just oblivious. If people could sit in a semi and look down in the windows of the cars like we do and see how many people are on their phones and not even paying attention to driving, it is alarming. It is. It's alarming. Mm -hmm. And then you think about, you know, the numbers of auto accidents in the year over the course of a year with a phone. You know, there's deaths involved in this stuff. And I was thinking about this the other day. I'm like, you know, a young kid goes into a school and shoots shoots people or you know there was an adult recently that went into an airport and shot people everybody wants to get rid of the guns well do you realize how many people are on their phones that cause accidents that kill people every single year now well we're not getting rid of phones oh that's a good point why aren't we getting rid of phones (laughs) that's a really great point because nobody wants to give those up you know but for me being new to this 18 wheeler life and the trucking life and just, I used to just drive my vehicle around town when we owned our business. It puts it in perspective how we do take it for granted as a day-to-day driver, the kind of weight that these semis are pulling and how hard it is for them to maneuver and how much weight that, that they carry that they can't just stop so quickly like we can, that does put it in perspective that we need to be more conscious of our driving around the semis. Well, there's a reason why there's so much space between a semi and the car in front of them. It's not because we're so nice that we just want people to flood that gap. Ooh, that's a good get point. Over. Explain why you give a gap. We're keeping distance from the car in front of us because it's so much harder to stop. I mean, the, the equipment these days, will it'll stop really good. But, like, we don't want to do that. We, you know, it's not just the concern of getting the vehicle stopped and preventing damage and stuff to the vehicle. But then we have freight that we're hauling that could get damaged from a quick stop. 
you know? So there's a reason why we're keeping distance and everybody should drive that way anyway. And so if you're that driver that's in that car, that's squeezing in between two semis on the highway, just know that the truck drivers are probably cussing you out. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> we turned the CB radio on and it's hilarious. It's like a, it's like a comedy show every day, every day, listening to drivers complain about four wheelers and the stupidness they do. Like it's mind boggling. Or looky loose. Looky loose. Window lickers. Window lickers. <laughs> There's all these trucking terms on the CV. Although some truck drivers get mean on the CV. Well, they get a little nasty. Yeah. But I tell you what, it was funny because uh, there was a few nights in a row. All of a sudden, some random people would get on the CB and they would just be talking gibberish, basically. You wouldn't even know what the heck they were talking about. But the most silky smooth radio voices you've ever heard in your life. We're going through the Mojave Desert. Yeah, I don't know who that guy was, but I would love to meet him. He was the Midnight Rider. I'm like, you're Mr. <laughs> Calling, dude. Like, why are you not on the radio? But uh, it was funny because it happened like a few nights in a row. Like, all of a sudden in the evening, somebody would jump on the radio, just the most beautiful, soothing voice. I'm like, I kind of want to have a beer and go to bed. Like, this is so nice. (laughs) (laughs) But I tell you what, I have a lot of pet peeves when it comes to driving. And I know a lot of truck drivers share them. You know, as a person that also drives a smaller vehicle... You know, the people that hang out in the left lane, the passing lane, and just stay there. And they're driving like five miles under the speed limit. So hint. everybody is passing them on the right. Hint, hint. This is a problem in Utah. Oh, it's a big problem in Utah. California is like a hundred times worse, though. Well, we had a lot of Californians move to Utah, so maybe they're bringing their bad habits. Yeah, you get out on Highway 99 in some areas, and it's like there's nothing out there. I was in the right lane, and there wasn't another car in the right lane as far as you could see, but there was probably 50 cars in the left passing lane, like a train just going down the highway. I'm like, why is no one getting over? I don't get it. But, uh, and then the whole thing of, you know, where people pull in front of you and and immediately break because they're going super fast and they got to slow down to make their turn or whatever. That's super annoying. Yes. And just, I mean, honestly, just the overall obliviousness to what is going on around, around them, you know, like a car or a semi will be broke down on the side of the road, but you'll have some guy just hanging out next to you on the left lane and you're trying to get over so that you don't sideswipe somebody on the side of the road. Well, yeah, because we're carrying oversized equipment. We have, you know, these big hauls and we could hit somebody if they're pulled over on the side, on the shoulder. Oh, absolutely. You get these tractors and they have axles sticking out. I mean, that there's sometimes I'm hugging the right line. The left side of the tractor is on the dotted line, but on the right side, the axle is hanging out a couple feet into the shoulder. So if a person's not watching, like if a car was sitting there, I would open that thing up like a can opener. Yeah. Um, very easily. But I don't know. Like, it's just annoying. Like, you got to 
not only do I have to worry about my vehicle and my driving, but I'm also have to worry about what everybody else is doing. So, um, there's just a general lack of respect for truck drivers. And I, and I understand why they're frustrated because there's a lack of respect back to the four wheelers too. Like it's just this butting of heads between the two sides because there's just this general lack of respect. But well, we literally watched, um, a car must've irritated or ticked off a truck driver in California. And we literally watched the truck driver fly up and get on that car's tail. Oh yeah. And like then went around it on the left lane and almost sideswiped the car because he was so angry with road rage at that car. I know I would have loved to seen what had happened before that because he just came flying up. He's like a foot off this car and then he just does like a hard left in the left lane and we could see it like his bumper was like three inches off of this car. I was like, holy cow. Yeah. Um, and that's not good either. Like that just causes big wrecks where people die and that's not good. So, um, but I get it. Like I get frustrated sometimes, but I don't know. You just got to be patient. And it's funny because my son is a truck driver he started like right when you could start at the age of 21, like two days after he turned 21, he has CDL. But he said to us one day, he's like, you know, I feel like everybody at least once in their life should be a, uh, a server, like in a restaurant and they should drive a semi truck. And I totally knew what he meant because, you know, serving people, that teaches you a lot of things, um, teaches you how to be humble and, you know, just how to handle people and deal with people. But the semi truck driving that teaches you patience more than anything, um, because you just deal with so much, I call it stupidity. Maybe that's a bad thing to say, but, um, just deal with people doing, you know, radical driving maneuvers around you it gets frustrating yeah i agree being the passenger i agree so we're talking about communication today matt talking about something yeah we're excellent communicators aren't we (laughs) (laughs) working on it most days aren't most of us a work in progress when it comes to communication yeah yeah But the basis of how we got here, though, was, you know, as two people riding around in the country and seeing things. And then, you know, part of what we do is ministry. So we get involved with individuals. We get involved with families. We get involved with young adults. And we're seeing all these things going on in the world. We just, I don't know. We've had some hard conversations with people, right? Yes, we have. And, you know, it's around communication and specifically communication with their kids, right? Like, Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, we've noticed um, just as everyone else has an uptick in 
everyone's buried in their phones nonstop. Um, parents, kids alike, you know, and then we have these shootings that are happening weekly. And when you start really digging into the backgrounds and the histories of these shooters, most of them are glued to their technology. Um, they're either gamers or they're on dark um, websites. They're, they're just on these dark sites with technology. And, um, and then it makes you think, well, where was the parents? Why weren't they recognizing this? Why weren't they getting control of this at a younger age? Right. Well, and it's interesting as a person that drives around a semi all day, like you can look over into the minivans and the SUVs and stuff, and the mom's driving, looking at her phone, sending a text message, or you can t obviously tell she's talking to somebody on the phone. And then the kid's in the passenger seat with his, you know, tablet or whatever doing his thing. And I don't know. I mean, it's been said a lot. They even put it on billboards. You know, when you're in the car, it's a great opportunity to talk, you know, either to another adult or your kids, you know, and too much now as a person that pays attention going down the road every day, like everybody's on their phones. <laughs> yeah. And Matt, you're right. It's just like this opportunity where we're forced to be together in this confined area as parents and kids or just in relationships as husbands or wives or whatever relationally, but um, it is an opportunity that we can grab onto and just really get to know our kids as parents or um, for kids to ask the questions that they want to ask or for spouses to just really get to know what's going on with each other in hard ways. Yeah. But I feel like you're right. Like so many times we're, we're just throwing the technology at each other because you know, as parents, we're like, oh, I had a long day. I'm so tired. I don't want to deal with my kids right now. Um, and so you're just like, here's your movie or here's your your iPad. Um, and so we're just kind of shoving it at these kids. And we, we watched it in Mexico. We were on vacation with our 220. Well, they were actually 18-year-olds at the time. Um, and we went to dinner together and we literally watched... Um, these parents and this two small kids at a table next to us and they just shoved the iPads at them right as soon as they sat down and that's how the whole entire dinner was they were on their technology but it was easy for those parents and you could tell it was more for the ease of the parents than it was for the kids yeah so I don't know I'm I consider myself a deep thinker so you know I look at this stuff it's never just one, you know, it's never just one thing. And when I talk about this, you know, like a specific example would be where you have a young man who picks up a gun and goes into a school and starts shooting up a school. Like, that's not an easy problem, right? Like, it's, there's all these things that went into this young man deciding, I think I need to pick up a gun and go shoot people right there's all these things right but it's got to all start somewhere right right and speaking of starting somewhere um 
you know, I've been doing um, some studying on this, and there was an article by OSF Healthcare, and the um, article's name was Screen Time for Kids, How Much is Too Much? And, you know, the study by this Dr. Nauman, there was a study, and it was in the Journal of the American Medical Association, and it said that um, there's growing use of media and then the use is by children at the youngest ages of almost like 96.6% of them were zero to four years old that were recruited from a low income pediatric clinic that had use of mobile devices. Okay, guys, they said zero to four years old had use of mobile devices and 75% of them owned their own devices. So these kids are zero to four years old. That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Save your money. They don't four years old four year olds don't need devices. <laughs> well, another study that I was looking at said that parents spend on an average four hundred and sixty two dollars per child to make sure that they can be on technology. That's on an average. So Yeah, that's crazy. So what does that tell you? Like like what is the motivation for doing that? Because I don't think anybody as a parent gets up one day and goes you know what? I don't feel like parenting this child, so I'm going to buy him a device. I think the reasoning is different, right? And it's because it's, it's almost like peer pressure. Mm -hmm. All the other kids have this. My kid needs to have it. Otherwise, you know, I'm going to look down on as a parent or whatever it is. But so really? speaking of um, another article, abc7chicago.com. So this was in Chicago, an article a more recent article, it said, the largest majority of parents, 31%, said they purchased a cell phone for their child for security reasons. Okay, I get that, right? Security reasons. So that their child can contact them. You know, there's a lot of children that are in um, extracurricular. But now, let's take this in perspective. This article was named, Study Finds Average Age of Kids When They Get Their First Phone is Six Nowadays. What? So a six-year-old needs a phone for security reasons these days. Okay, but then another 25% said their child's cell phone was to help them keep in touch with friends and family, while another 20% said their child's cell phone helped their kids keep up with friends in school. What six-year-old needs to keep up with their friends with a cell phone? Well, here's the other thing, too, is like the whole idea of, oh, they need to keep in touch with their friends and family. I'm going to tell you right now, when I brought my kids their cell phones, they were horrible about answering it, horrible about responding to text messages. Like Your I had kids to, still are. <laughs> they're still bad. Like, I have to chew their butts <laughs> to get them to respond to a text message. Yes. Like, you know, and when you're the one paying for it, I'm just like, listen, you, you either respond to me when I get to you or the thing's going off. Like... But yeah, we're that's no fool because we know they're on their phones nonstop. That's what it's for, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. But you know, so I don't, I don't buy some of these arguments. I guess, and you know, if your six-year-old needs a cell phone for security purposes, like, who are these six-year-olds hanging around that you're worried about their safety? You know what I mean? Right. Like, who's keeping track of these kids? You just shoving them out the door. And wandering down the street, like, 
No. So what happened to, you know, I was a working parent. I was married to another working parent. We had a daughter. So, you know, when, when I got home from working all day, I wanted to get to know my kid. And I wanted to know, I wanted to get to know her on a deeper level. So it was about communicating and talking and having real conversation with her and learning more about her day and, and, you know, talking to her about things like faith, because that was a value that we wanted to instill in her, you know, talking to her about characteristics and values and the things that were important that built her. So why are we just shoving our kids at six years old on these technology devices? Well, that's the big question is like, I go back to what I said earlier. I'm like, I don't think people have kids and then just consciously go, oh, I don't want to deal with it. You know, I don't think that's the case. I mean, obviously there's exceptions to the rule. So what's driving it, right? Like, that's what I look at is what makes somebody go, I'm going to hand my kid a device to the point where they're spending hours upon hours on this stuff every day. And it goes back to, you know, I had a conversation with somebody recently and, you know, as a Christian, we refer to scripture and to where you see, you see rewards in what you sow into, right? You sow and you reap. So where are you, where, where are you sowing into? And, I just look at parents today and I look at kids that are consuming because let's call it consuming because that's exactly what it is. They're consuming technology. You know, where's the miss at? And the problem is, is they're sewing into their careers. They're sewing into the things that they think they need. The big house, the cars, the side-by-sides, the campers, the boats, all this stuff. They're sewing into this. Materialism. Which creates you know, debt, obviously, you got to pay for this stuff. And it just creates this vicious cycle of, I got to work all the time. I got to make sure that I'm doing my job so I can pay for all these things that I think my family needs, including the technology. Which then you sit there as a parent, they're saying, I got to keep paying for all these things. It's the hamster on the wheel because my kids need these experiences. My my kids need this. My kids need that. But in actuality, they need your time. Right. They need memories with you. And And that's the problem is we get into the hamster wheel of life of things that we think we need. And you spend 12, 12 plus hours a day working for it. I get why people don't have the energy to come home to their kids and spend quality time with them. Like, I get it. But is that what you want? Right, because you think years down the road, what are they going to remember? Are they going to remember the time you spent with them? Or are they going to remember the materialism that you bought them? I mean, I just think about this article that I just read where this woman is suing Instagram because her daughter is anorexic. So her daughter was spending all this time on Instagram, seeing all these beautiful people all over Instagram or whatever, decided she needed to lose weight. It spiraled into anorexia. And now the parent is suing Instagram. And I'm just like, are you freaking kidding me right now? So a business that created a platform where everything looks 
um, like a fairy tale. Everything looks perfect on the outside, very surface. And trust me, I'm I'm do not like social media whatsoever. My wife will attest to this. I yes. just understand what it what it's doing to people and how we're creating zombies. But when a parent is suing Instagram because of what happened to her daughter, I'm like, you need to take a hard look in the mirror, lady. Like, maybe you should have took the device away. Right. Maybe you should have intervened before it became a problem. Put some like, controls on your kids' phones. Like, where's the conversation at before right. it gets to anorexia? Yeah, I mean, because it goes back to, like, you know, kids and parents alike, no matter who we are on this technology, we're either fueling our minds with evil or we're fueling our minds with positive, good stuff, Right. And so what are we putting into our minds? Is it evil? Is it dark? Or is it good? And then it goes to the question of, okay, parents, do you even have controls, parental controls on your kids' phones? And if you don't, there is an article called top10cybersecurity.com. And it's the best parental control apps for 2022. I highly recommend looking that up it says i'll go through the top three number one is called bark it's rated exceptional at a 9.7 and it shows all the features so you can read the article for the features number two is aura which is rated excellent 9.2 and number three is norton excellent 9.3 there's no reason for parents not to have parental controls on their children's technology as a matter of fact when we lived in Utah, there was a couple instances of 13, 14-year-old girls, back-to-back situations that had gotten the new meta, um, the metaverse goggles. They're all white, and they were wearing them, and there, were, there was no parental controls on that meta goggle, and the parents weren't checking those goggles. And what happened was, is these young girls were enticed, and they were in chat rooms, What they did was they ended up in chat rooms with actual truck drivers that had asked these girls to meet them at truck stops. The girls found a way to the truck stops and the men were hooked up with the sex trafficking and the men were on their way to the Mexico border with these girls to sell them for sex trafficking. Luckily, in both these cases, God bless The feds were all over it and stopped them both. We actually know one of the situations on a personal level, but it's because the the parents of this one daughter said, I had no clue that there was parental controls on this. So be aware of what kind of technology that your kids are dabbling in. Well, I don't get this thinking of, you know, you hear it from parents. I need to respect my child's privacy. No, you don't. When you're the one paying for everything and it's your job to mold their minds and grow them into responsible, contributing adults to the world. No, you don't. I still remember this. It's like it was yesterday. My son, and he'll probably kill me for bringing this up, but, you know, he I got him his first cell phone. I think he was probably like 14, maybe. So in today's world, a lot later than, of course, you know, he's older. He's 24 years old now. But I remember I like, I just grabbed his phone one day and I'm like, let me look at this. What? What? Why are you looking at my phone? I'm like, 
because that's my job to see what you're doing. And I go on there and he had all these pictures of women on there, like hundreds of them. I was like, how did you even get this on your phone this fast? Like it blew my mind that he could even find this kind of stuff. Number one. But I'm just like, listen, like this is not okay. Which is why it's awesome that you checked because then you could have that hard conversation with him as a parent. Well, it wasn't even a hard conversation for me. (laughs) It wasn't a hard conversation. I'm like, listen, I don't know what family you're a part of or what house you think you're in. But number one, we respect women. And this is not respectful to women. You should be lucky that I found this and not your mom. Because your mom probably would have decapitated you for for seeing this. Like, this is not how we roll. And this is not okay. Furthermore, like, maybe we need to uh, put a little bit of restriction on here. Because you don't get to just go to every single website that's available out there on the web. But, you know, that's where my naive part came in. I was like, there's no way this kid's going to be able to access this stuff. Like, it literally took him a couple weeks, and he was, like, this phone was loaded with stuff. I couldn't believe it. But <laughs> but it's just like, you know, this is what you need to be doing. Like, it's amazing what these kids are communicating about. Well, and that was 10 years ago. That was 10 years ago. And there's an article called MM Guardian, and it says there are 4.66 billion active internet users and trillions of media content online that your children have access to. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. 4.66 billion. But, you know, you listen to these young young kids that with the phones, and you can clearly tell they have free reign to do whatever they want over Instagram, Facebook, the internet, whatever. My mom respects my privacy. Ha, 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 ha. That's funny. But, you know, that's the thing is, like, if you're not getting into it and seeing, like, you're not going to recognize when your kid's suffering from depression. You're not going to recognize when your kid is getting bullied. You're not going to recognize when your kid is so stressed out that he's to the point where he's considering picking up a gun and taking it to school. Well, there was a young kid, Matt, that was... 12 years old in Utah recently, and he was getting bullied so badly on the technology he was using and then at school on top of it that he ended up hanging himself. And it's actually gotten worse since COVID for some reason. Like, I don't really understand, you know, what that what that's all about. But there's statistical data that says bullying and whatever you want to call hate it. Speech. Hate speech. Hate speech. Mm-hmm. It's um, increased 70% since the pandemic. Which I'm going, well, what the heck is driving that? But anyway, and if it's gone up 70%, like how are people not seeing this and squashing it? Right. And then we wonder why there's school shootings all of a sudden. Well, people are bullying and hate speeching young adults back and forth like crazy, apparently. Yeah. Well, um, seven out of 10 children are in favor of parental controls. So we do have parents that want the parental controls. We just have, we just need to put the foot down. The parents need to put the foot down. You know, if you ask really well-behaved kids that 
you find today, I can almost guarantee you their parents have their hands in this. Their hands are probably all over in this for them. Yeah. And it goes back to what I said earlier. Like, what are you putting your energy in? Right. What are you sewing into? Right. If it's not your kids, they're going to learn stuff somewhere. If it's not from you, it's not the job of teachers to mold children. Their job is to teach. Otherwise, they wouldn't be called teachers. They'd be called parents. And they're not. So I don't know where this line of thinking came along that we think teachers are the people that are supposed to mold children, give them their morals and values and their core ways of thinking. Like, that's not their job. And apparently it's getting missed somewhere. And if you look at the data and you look at how this stuff is happening, it's very clear that technology has become the the parent. Yes. And... What I'm noticing, I don't know about you, Matt, but what I notice is, you know, there's a high divorce rate and you have a lot of these children that are in the middle of these divorces. And a lot of this happens through the divorce, too, where the kids are getting ignored and they're getting thrown on the technology. But what's happening, too, is then you have these angry husbands and wives that are moms and dads at the same time. And they're going through these crazy divorces that make them crazy. But what happens is then they're projecting what's going on with them onto their children as well. Well, then instead of parenting, it becomes a contest. Yes. I mean, I remember when I went through my divorce, like, I'm guilty. Like, I'm going to take my kids to do fun stuff because I don't want to have hard conversations with them with the time that I have with them. Right? Right. Like, instead of teaching them morals, values, and things, it's like, Hey, let's go have some fun. What do you guys want to do today? Let's go to the water park. Let's go to the out on the boat. Let's do this. Let's do that. And I will say I skipped some hard conversations because I just like, I didn't want to be the person that every time they were around me, I needed to dive into something. But the fact was, is they were probably suffering just like you were suffering. Oh, yeah. And they needed to talk about that, right? For sure. We've had conversations about that. Yeah. Like me and them. And, you know, there had to be some healing and processing and things over multiple years to get them where they're at now. And part of it was me. Like, I had to get to the point where I'm just like, man, like some of the stuff that they're doing is getting sideways. Like, I really need to start pouring into their lives and talking to them because I don't want them ending up doing god knows what but like i get it like i get where people are at and their where their thinking comes from but it's like no like you need need to be involved you need to pour in them you need to sow into them and you just need to realize if you're not you are contributing to the problems we're having today absolutely but it's like a lot of things right like oh it's not going to happen to me Like, there's no way my kid's going to pick up a gun and go into school. Or no way my kid's going to be a bully at school. Or whatever it is, you know. There's no way my kid's going to be anorexic. Like, there's all these things that we don't think are going to happen to us. But But it does, you know. It does. Yeah. So, just communicating with our kids and 
recognizing maybe the evil that has seeped into their lives, the bullying, the anxiety, the depression. That's, we always want to medicate. We always want to medicate the kids. That's what we always turn to as parents. We want to medicate. Well, medicating is not always the answer. There's, there's other answers. We just need to dig deeper to the root. Yeah, absolutely. I just, it's hard to watch, right? Like, see all this stuff going on. Everybody wants to point the fingers at different things. And it's like, no, we need to get back to the basics. Yes. What don't, I get that you don't want to hear hard truths sometimes and take personal responsibility for things. But, you know, as a person that's living a Christian life, like, I know that I'm going to make mistakes sometimes. I know I'm not always going to do the right thing. I know I'm not perfect. But that's where Jesus comes in. Yeah. This is where once you understand that you're not always going to do it the right way, there's forgiveness. There's redemption. You can rise back up. You you can have a fresh start. Yeah. Even from day to day. Right. We, you can even start tomorrow. Start tomorrow taking control of the technology. Start tomorrow communicating with your kids. Maybe sit down and actually have dinner together as a family and pray and talk as a family. Start somewhere. Yeah. Find ways to communicate. Communicate in the car again. I get it. It's not easy. No. It's not easy. But, you know, people need to start doing stuff. We've gotten very passive as Christians. We've gotten passive as people living in this country. And slowly but surely, things that were really good are not so good anymore. And it's because we've turned the other cheek. It's because we haven't stepped in and put personal responsibility on ourselves and on other people. So, yeah, I like that. Yeah, true. Just, truth. Bring it truth. Yeah. Let's get off our buns and do something. Yes. Right? Let's do some good for this world. Let's pass on a legacy to our children yeah. that they can pass on to their children and their children. Go out and be change makers. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know. That's enough for this week, don't you think? I'm good. I'm just over here driving away. well we hope to bring you some more goodness next week and uh, we hope to run into some of you rad roadies out on the road and please feel free to share your feedback at bat and jess at on the radical road.com and visit the website yes visit the website get some gear on the radical road.com yes support all right till next time guys adios see you on the road